Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another episode of the Trading Coach Podcast. If you guys are brand new, my name is Akil Stokes. I'm a former struggling trader turned successful trader, money manager, trading coach, and uh, I am now one of the co-founders of Tier1Trading.com, which is the premier educational platform for traders out there. Matter of fact, if you guys are interested in some free training, make sure you head over to www.Tier1Trading.com and check out some of the free stuff we have to offer. Now, today I'm going to talk a little bit about risk-reward, and um, it was on my mind, and I apologize for the, the lack of energy. It's about almost 9 o'clock at night, and, and for me, right, after years of having two kids, 9 o'clock seems like midnight, um, so I'm completely beat. I'm also in the the very last part of my extremely busy point of, uh, of my calendar, um, but I wanted to get this podcast out while it was fresh on my mind. Again, one thing I love about this podcast is it, it isn't pre-planned. It isn't pre-recorded. It's just, it's off the top of my head. I, I like to think of it as a, an honest look um, into my heart on what I'm thinking at the time, for better or for worse. And I was thinking about the concept of risk-reward and, and, and more so the concept of how you know, trading and life seem to kind of merge together where um, obviously there are aspects in your life um, that you've encountered, that you grew, up, you grew up with, lessons you've learned that have helped you succeed in trading or that will help you succeed in trading. Um, but what I've noticed, right, someone being, what, almost 12 years in the game right now, um, the concepts and the, the, the I, I guess, the, the, the characteristic characteristic traits that I use or that I develop to be a successful trader, I'm also seeing them in my life as well. And it's very interesting how they complement each other. And risk reward is one of those things, right? Risk reward is a, a crucial part of trading and um, risk management is really the most necessary, the most important part of becoming and, and maintaining consistent success in the market. It's funny because this often changes, right? As a newer trader, we're kind of programmed to think, you know, high risk, make as much money as possible, Forex specifically. Uh, many of us get involved because of there's so much leverage. Um, I mean, I'm a little slightly embarrassed to say this, but uh, I was telling a guy at a, a meeting today about how I got into trading 
And and when I told him about my jump from stocks to Forex, the, the only reason I, I went from the stock market to the Forex market is because I wanted to make more money in a shorter amount of time. And Forex was highly leveraged. So it allowed me to do things uh, that I couldn't necessarily do in the stock market because I was getting such a big loan. Um, so that mindset of kind of hey, uh, high risk, because everyone tells you it's just dangerous and all that stuff, and you don't care, because you know, when you're the best, who cares about danger? Um, but you, you're only thinking high reward. Again, you fast forward 12 years later, now that I've become consistently profitable, and, and my life has changed because of trading, where there's a lot more to risk, risk management, risk management, right? Conservation of capital has been the number one thing. My, my goal is no longer make as much money as possible. It's protect as much money as possible. And a lot of that has to do with getting older as well. I first started trading when I was 20, had to be what, 21, 22 years old, no family, no commitments, no anything, just some college debt, which I was pushing off anyway. Um, so I could afford to to take high risk. I, I can afford to, you know, quit three jobs like I did and, and take the leap of faith and, and, and try to pursue my passion, pursue uh, my dream, my dream life. Because if I failed, I wasn't really sacrificing much, you know, as as, as I look now. Right. Where, you know, I've got a wife, got two kids, got a mortgage, got whatnot. That same type of sacrifice, you know, it. it it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as easy. Now, I'd like to think that um, I would still want to go after my dream life, um, and I and I'd be willing to drop everything in order to do that. But I'd have to think about it a lot more because it's you know when it's me eating ramen noodles and peanut butter sandwiches, you know there's you know there's there's really not much to risk. Now there's everything to risk because I'm not just responsible for myself, but I'm responsible for other lives as well. But Risk reward is also key in trading as far as your, your actual position taking and, and the trades that I execute. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But going back to how this whole risk reward thing goes in life, you know, I was thinking about it uh, really because I started watching this show called, I think it was called The Million Dollar Run, Million Dollar Race. Let me just Google search it real quick. I want to get the name right. It's a show by um, Million Dollar Mile. There we go. LeBron James. Uh, LeBron James is the, I guess, the producer of it. Um, Tim Tebow is the host, and essentially, it's a game show where it's uh, it's an obstacle obstacle course race, um, and there's a you know uh, there's a person that's picked to do the course. They get a two minute head start, and there's a, another kind of like a professional opponent that goes against them. So you have this you know not average Joe Smo, but like some guy that was like a former college football player, and he goes, and the guy chasing him is this you know, best Spartan race person in the world. And I was intrigued in this show, um, mainly because I, I like competition. I, I like racing. I like obstacle courses. It's, I've done Tough Mudders and, and Spartan races and all that stuff. It, it's fun. Um, part of me thinks I should try out for that show. i got a pretty good story, right? Former college athlete, uh, Spartan race, marathons, Tough Mudders, all that fun stuff. Um, but the, the, the concept was interesting because... Each there's five obstacles total, right, in this race. And as you complete each one, you lock in a certain amount of money. So, for example, right, you, you complete number one, you get ten thousand dollars. You complete number two, you get twenty five thousand dollars. Number three, fifty thousand dollars. Number four, hundred thousand dollars. Number five, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And then there's just like this last one, number six. However, you also have the option to stop at any point or to exit. So 
in the first episode, right, it started off with this girl and she ran through and, and she wasn't really good. And she got through obstacle number one and the person chasing her had basically made up all of the time. And she had two choices as she's leaving the first obstacle, right? She had she hasn't banked ten thousand dollars because she had to get she had to get to the finish line. But right now, as it stood, she had ten thousand dollars if she can make it to the finish line. Um, however, if she were to do another obstacle and complete it, she would be at twenty five thousand dollars. So it's hmm, more than double your money. What do you do, right? That's the reward, right? You you, you go from ten thousand to twenty five thousand, but. If she was caught by her opponent, the chaser, she would get nothing. And she made the decision to exit. In the exit, you have to climb this big wall and blah, blah, blah. And ended up making it back and, and collecting $10,000. And, you know, initially I was upset. I was like, well, oh, you're, you know, why would you do that? You just settled. Even though me, I always say that if I were in a, if I were in a game show, I'd take whatever money and just go with it. And, and my, you know. That's when a lot a, a, a poorer me would say that a long time ago when $10,000 meant a lot more than what it does right now. Um, I'd be a little bit more risky now, but then again, that's the whole risk reward thing. Um, but I thought about it more and she made the right decision because the odds were that she was going to get caught and lose with and leave with nothing. Right. The odds were if she went to another obstacle and tried to collect 25000 she would have lost out and left with nothing. The odds were higher that if she tried to exit, she'd have a chance at escaping and collecting $10,000. And it, it's very similar to being in a trade, right? You see people that shoot for targets that are, are way too big. And I, I say this all the time. I, in my experience with traders, and, and not just traders I work with, not just my own experience, but just seeing traders out here on social media and, and connecting with a lot of traders that I don't work with personally, I see that. A lot of the issues that a f trader faces isn't necessarily finding the entry, right? I think traders in, in, in general are good at finding entry points, right? What a lot of traders make a mistake in doing is where and when and how they place stops and targets. Either their stops are too far away or risking too much or their stops are too close. Um, they don't have enough breathing room or their targets are too far away, right? They expect too much out of the market. Um, or, or they take targets early, obviously uh, kind of a greed and fear type of psychological mistake. And it's important to kind of know that balance. When you're in a trade and you set up a trade, you have to be realistic with where you expect the market to go. You have to be realistic with your choices. Whenever I enter a trade, I'm not thinking about wins and losses, right? When I enter a trade, I'm thinking about will the, does the market have a higher probability of going here, which would be my profit target, before it goes there, which would, would be my stop loss. And going back to the million dollar mile scenario, she's asking herself, well, do I have a greater chance of being caught before completing this next obstacle and being stopped out and having zero money or in a trading scenario, losing money? Or do I have a better chance of being less aggressive, being more safe, but surviving and getting something out of it? And she made that choice and it was the right choice. So a few episodes later, right, I was on the, I was on the road, so I was binge watching the first like four episodes of this. Um, there was another runner. He's a boxer and he made it through the first obstacle, right? Um, $10,000, ka-ching, right? Made it through the second one, $25,000, ka-ching. And he had the same choice, right? He had the same choice. And, and this one was a little different. If he made it to the third obstacle, right, 
he would bank $50,000 guaranteed, right? He didn't have to do the whole scaling the wall and finish. If he just made it past before the opponent caught him, he would get $50,000. So the guy made it to the, to the, uh, he's going to the, the third obstacle and, and you know, the, the person chasing him has caught up, right? The, the lead went from two minutes to about 10 seconds and he's climbing, he's climbing, he's climbing, he's climbing, he's climbing and he gets there first and he ends up hitting the button and banking $50,000 and he's running off, right? He's running off and you can see this person behind him probably by about, again, maybe 10, 15, 20 seconds behind him and my wife's screaming, you got to scale, exit, exit, take the money, exit, take the money, exit, take the money. I'm like, no, he's got to keep going. And we're, and we're having this discussion, like, why would he keep going? He's going to get caught. And what you got to remember is in this scenario, he had locked in the money guarantee, right? He didn't have to exit to keep the money. He already had $50,000 in the bag. So I asked yourself this question, right? When you have $50,000 in the bag, if you complete the next obstacle, you go up to $100,000. If you leave, you keep your $50,000. What is the right decision to make? Well, let's go to the next obstacle. Why? Because you've already banked it. There's absolutely nothing to lose. If you get caught, you leave with $50,000. If you exit and make it back before the person, you leave with $50,000. It's the equivalent of being in a trade and moving your stop loss, having the market move in your direction and moving your stop loss to a level where you've already locked in profit. There's there's really no risk in doing it. Now you can say there's the, the opportunity cost if you're doing like secondary targets of like, well, you could have taken everything off here and instead you took half off here and you left some on the table. I know that does exist. So for you, the trading nerdy type that are really digging into numbers, I, I understand that. But the point is when you're in a position like that, you can afford to be more risky because you're no longer you're no longer in a position where you can lose anything. All you can do is make money, and, and those are the the best type of trades. I shoot for a few home run trades a year. I, I tell my traders this all the time. I probably shoot for three or four of them every year, and these are big trades, right? My average my average trade is probably let me see if I just have my if I can bring my numbers real quick up for well, 2019 has been kind of dull. Um, let's see if my average trade is for I think it's like 50. 54 pips, my average win. Let me just uh, give me a second to get this number up. 50, 58, right? So 58 pips is my average win. For my home run trades, I'm typically, you know, shooting for the hundreds. Now, the thing is, with these home run trades, I'm not doing that with a lot of risk. I'm not keeping my normal risk on and just saying, hey, I'm shooting for the moon and I leave myself exposed. No, I'm capturing profits. I'm putting myself in a scenario where my stop loss is at minimum break even, but more likely in profit already. So worst case scenario, I'm probably making around my average, if not above. And I'm just taking a chance. I'm taking a chance with that secondary position and shooting for the moon, knowing that if it pays off, right, massive reward. If it doesn't pay off, minimum risk. And even in my normal trading scenarios, I like to look at my trades like that, where, you know, how and when I decide to take a trade is all based off of risk reward, right? If I have a trading scenario where it's a, let's say a structure-based trade or at a very high level of structure, and I could have a very tight stop loss on it. Well, guess what I don't mind being? I don't mind being more aggressive with my entry. Why? Well, because my risk is minimum. And if I'm putting myself, if I'm getting an entry where my risk is minimum, my reward is probably really, really, really good. So my risk reward is great. Now, let's take a different scenario where maybe the market isn't 
it, it's in a kill zone, but a, a top of a kill zone, and meaning there's a there's a big range on where it could reverse, and maybe I'm looking to get involved in the the upper half or the upper third of it. So my my risk reward is a lot, or my my risk, excuse me, is a lot larger. Well, how do you think I'm acting in that scenario? Am I still being super aggressive now that I have that larger risk, or am I being a little bit more conservative? I'm being a little bit more conservative. Why? Because, well, now that I'm taking more risk, I really want to think about what I'm doing. I really want to make sure the market is giving me all the clues. I want to have a really high percentage chance of being right because I don't want to have that risk, right? I'm a little bit more cautious. Whereas, again, if I have that tight risk and I'm only risking a few pips for a massive reward, I don't mind being aggressive because if I get stopped out, uh, it's, you know, you brush it off. It's only a little bit where if it works, and it may work one out of every three times, but that one out of every three times is gonna make up for all three of those losses and more. And when you can start looking at the market in terms of risk reward over everything, and again, risk management, position sizing, maximum risk, all that stuff, but even just risk reward, I think it provides a really interesting perspective. Again, we're, we're doing this in life, whether we know it or not. I mean, here's an example for me last week, right? Last week, I, I had two examples. Today. I wasn't really in a rush today, right? I had places to go, but I wasn't really in a rush. There was no time constraints. And I'm driving the car and I, I see a yellow light and I decided to just slow down and stop. Probably could have made it through if I wanted to, right? Um, normal risk of running a yellow light, right? If, I, if I'm a little bit late through it, um, maybe I get pulled over by the cops. Maybe even worse, I get into a car accident. Someone else is running, right? That's the, the risk. Um, the reward is I, I get through faster and I get to where I'm going quicker, right? Now, because I'm not in much of a rush, I don't really have anywhere to go, right? The, the reward wasn't worth the risk. I'd rather be risk averse and just say, hey, I don't want to take any chances, right? Not going to run it, equivalent of being in a trade with an inverse risk reward ratio. Hey, I like the trading opportunity, but yeah, the, you know, the risk isn't worth the reward or the reward isn't worth the risk. So I'm not going to take it. I'll wait to the next one. You fast forward to earlier in the week when I was running late to a meeting because I left something at home, right? Same situation. As a matter of fact, I think it was the same light um, and I ran it. Well, Kiel, what's the difference this time? Well, because I was already running late to a meeting, right? Things were different. I was willing to accept that risk of potentially being pulled over for the cops, even though it was a clear yellow light. Um, or potentially maybe getting into an accident, that risk was worth it for the reward of not being late for that meeting, or I guess showing up to that meeting on time. And we're making these these snap judgment decisions right at once. And again, think about anything else in life. I, I, I did it with training schedules. I, I do it with, you know, really everything. Every single action I'm taking, I'm, I'm reading the pros and cons. I'm reading the risk reward of that situation. And, and that's how I'm really judging if it's worth it or not. And again, this is, I think this is the trading side taking over because typically you would be emotional, right? Typically as humans, we, we, we tend to make decisions off of emotions, right? I, I feel this way. I, 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 I feel this way. I think this, I'll, I'll, I'll act on that. I've become very, very mechanical, very, very mechanical. I'm just running numbers and I'm saying, oh, mm, ah, nope. Okay. Don't do it. And you know, I didn't, I didn't intend for this to be the subject of the podcast. That, that, that's also a little bit scary. Um, I remember watching an episode of The Blacklist. I don't know how many guys watched that show, uh, James Spader in it. Amazing. Um, but there was a guy that basically assessed risk reward for a living. Um, unfortunately, it was like, you know, 
killing people where he would <laughs> he would do risk reward and he would give he would assign people values and you know basically compare the value of one life to another and then this whole government conspiracy that the car companies are doing this already and blah 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 um, but essentially he was doing risk reward he was like well the reward of killing this person is well worth the risk um, compared to this person and I think things can get interesting when you when you think like that in real life. Um, because I guess in real life as human beings, something that makes us unique is that we are emotional. We don't make kind of those, I guess in all in all situations, we don't make some of those decisions. And if we became completely binary, right, ones and zeros, black or white, um, that would take away from the essence of us being human beings, um, which would help cause the robot apocalypse. And for you guys that or with me in the live room every day. That's an inside joke. I always talk about the upcoming robot apocalypse, so I'm not crazy. I mean, well, maybe a little bit, but um, that's a normal thing. So uh, I, I guess you have to, and I'm blabbing along now because I'm tired, but I guess it, it's it's important to let our life affect trading. It's important to let trading affect our lives. Um, but like anything else, we also have to find a balance. We also have to find a balance and, and something that separates the two. We 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 want to be we want to be robotic and mechanical in our trading, but we also have to understand that the markets are you know it's an art and a science, right? It's it's scientific. There's numbers. There's all, there's all that fun stuff, but it's also interpretation. That's the artsy side of it. So you can't have rules so black and white because they're just not going to fit. I got a question today for you know Mondays are our Q and A sessions. And I'm going through the questions that our traders shoot us. And today's questions was a common one about, you know, defining pullbacks, defining outside returns. And that's not something that I've ever been able to put a definition on. And I've tried. Trust me, from from a coaching perspective, I can come up with rules, the black and white rules that will define a, a pullback or retracing an outside return. However, when I go into the actual market, those rules don't apply. Right. Because the markets are imperfect by nature. And I always found myself in a situation where, kill everything's supposed to be rules-based. We always preach rules-based trading, rules-based trading, rules-based trading. But these rules don't work. And as I gain more confidence in myself, as I gain more experience in the market, I've really gained that intuition. I've, I've become okay with the fact that everything isn't going to be rules-based. Now, there are certain things that, that are rules-based, that should be rules-based, that I, I would dare say have to be rules-based. And we need that type of structure. Um, but there's also going to, there's always going to be that artsy element. There's always going to be that element of interpretation. I guess that, that human nature of seeing and, and feeling the market. Um, and I think that has to be a balance and, you know, going back to the human aspect, like I just said, you know, we, we're going to be put in situations where we can make the easy decision, right? You know, an example I always share is this, right? If, if you, if an intruder came into my, into my house at home growing up and held my mom at gunpoint and said, Hey, um, we've got we to gotta choose someone. We've got to choose your mom or we've got to choose you. One of you is, has got to go, right? I would step in and save my mom every single time. Now, that's not the right decision. Why? Because if you judge us by value, I'm much more valuable on this planet than her. And I'm not saying I'm a better person or anything like that, but just by age, right? I, I, if we're judging ourselves on value by what we do for a living and how many people we impact and how we impact the world, um, I have a lot more potential to provide more value to the world than she does just by the, the pure fact that I'm 30 years younger than her, right? 
But so it would be the wrong decision to say, hey, take my life instead of hers. But as a good son, as a father, as, as you know, as someone who tries to represent that chivalry isn't dead, who, who would step in for any woman, I feel like, um, I think you have to do that. So we, we can't live life by that black and white level as well. So anyway, this is what you guys get when I'm dead tired and on a, on a Sunday night and, and trying to record a podcast. But this is also why you love the show. So I hope you guys enjoyed. As always, um, do me a favor. If you haven't done this already, I, I got a note from a guy who just reviewed my podcast. And thank you, by the way, and said, you know, I can't I've been listening to this since episode one. I can't believe I haven't left the review. Um, I apologize. And I, I understand it could be tedious. It takes you know, a few seconds out of your day. But if you get the chance, especially if you're over on iTunes, um, just take a second, leave me a rating, um, five stars preferably. Uh, leave me a review as well. That helps a lot in us growing the show. And also share this on social media. If you're, if you're listening to this on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, CastBox, anywhere you are, there's probably a share button. Just share it all over social media. It takes a second to click. And I say that because you never know who's, 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 running into this podcast by accident, meaning someone shares it on social media, someone happens to be going through your timeline because you're sharing pictures about your kid and they see it and like, oh, I'm, I got nothing better to do. I check it out and now they're, they're, they're in the trading, they're looking for some direction and now they found it and now they could potentially change their life for the better. And you just never know when that, that butterfly effect can happen. Um, that's how I got into trading. I read about a guy in a, in a random magazine on a random internet search, and that guy ended up being um, a trading mentor, a business mentor, and, and a really good friend of mine. And, and, you know, if I wouldn't have met him, I don't know if I'd be where I'm at today. Um, so I've always believed in that. Just, you know, just put it out there. You never know who you're affecting. Um, pay it forward. So I appreciate it in advance. Until next time, guys, plan your trade, trade your plan, and I'll see you guys in the next episode of the Trading Coach Podcast.